Luke 14, verse 15, 24. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell all the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant has done this, he reported, There is still room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be filled. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. Thank you, Mel. Can you put that right in there? Miss Amy can probably help you. Well, welcome to our Tables of Grace or our little banquet table, there are, um, there's food on your table, donuts, all kinds of other goodies. Those just aren't to look at. They're for you to eat. We believe in, well, I believe. You, you will never see me too far from food and whatever I do. Uh, so this is a little bit of an unusual morning. If you're visiting with us or, or new to the circle uh, or just been attending for a little while, you know we normally don't sit like this, but I kind of like it. It's a big experiment, so we're crossing our fingers, and it's going to be a little different morning because uh, I'm going to teach and preach and share some reflections, but then we're going to kick it to your tables for you to, to talk a little bit, and we're going to go back and forth today. So some of you that might terrify, just hang with me because I think you'll find it'll be okay at the end. <clears throat> and then here's my little caveat. If you're a talker, if you're a person that likes to go first, all the time. Um, maybe you go last today when we do the table sharing to give everybody a little space and room to share. Um, but Tables of Grace, we're in a series called The Other Six, and we're looking at very practical ways of how does the life that we live when we gather like on church on Sunday, what does it mean to live the other six days? And how do we do that? And how can we influence our family, friends, our world uh, beyond just a Sunday morning. And so today we're talking about tables and the significance of tables. Last week, we talked about the significance of stories. Do you remember that? Did you share some stories this week? Good. <laughs> but uh, we said, God is the author of your story. And I believe that. And if God is the author of your story, then that means your story is a masterpiece, right? And masterpieces are meant to be shared with others. And so I would encourage you to share your stories. And today as we gather around tables, tables are often the context for stories to be shared, aren't they? And as you perhaps have read your Bibles recently or throughout your life or whatever, what you find is tables, feasts, banquets, 
are from the beginning all the way to the very end. Tables are all over the place in the Bible. In fact, when they feasted, they just didn't do like a one-day Thanksgiving meal or Christmas dinner. When they feasted, they did it for days. I'm so heartbroken that our culture doesn't feast for days because I would love to feast for days. Um, So if I may, let me set the table a little bit for just some of the the way Scripture uh, uh, is passionate and is centered around the table. You, You can't read your Old Testament much, like I said, without seeing these feasts, but there were so many ceremonies and rituals when it came to meals. Uh, each day. And then at the, the big feasts as well, uh, our uh, famous uh, Psalm 23 ends this way. <clears throat> it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This was the idea of blessing and goodness and safety and care and fullness. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup on my table overflows, meaning abundance. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Tables. In the Hebrew calendar, the day, the new day, actually begins at 6 p.m. Did you know that? Their calendar is not a midnight. It's a 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. And so the day begins at 6, and what usually happens around 6 o'clock-ish in most homes? Dinner. And if you know anything about God, first things are very important, right? We give of the first fruits. We tithe the first portion of our resources to the Lord, the firstborn. It's like this theme of first is all throughout the scriptures. And God has ordered the day to say the best. The most important part is going to be the new part of the day, which is characterized by dinner, which is characterized by table, by fellowship, by sharing about your day. And what's coming up and and lingering at the table. It wasn't this fast food culture that we're in today, but it was the table was a huge part of every household in Israel. As you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of Jesus, you'll also find Jesus sitting at and reclining at tables. Actually, they reclined more than they sat. Their tables were low, and so they would kind of lean with their left arm. And so you can even see just even how much more relational a table like that was if you were all just leaning in together around the table, eating a little food, sharing, laughing, you know, able to touch one another because you're that close around these tables. And in fact, Jesus was accused one time of being a glutton and a drunkard. You don't get that kind of reputation Or call those names if you're not frequently at the table with people eating and drinking and fellowshipping and doing those things. And as we will close our service today, Jesus took a very common, a special meal at that time at Passover, but he, he took the table and repurposed it into what the whole world is celebrating today in world communion. That Jesus said the table is actually now going to be the centerpiece for those who would follow me. It's going to call us together where my presence is going to be, and it will impact our lives as we remember his sacrifice, his life, and the life that he calls us into, the table. And so this morning, in the spirit of table, we're going to be kind of living sermons. You don't get to listen to me for 30 straight minutes. You're welcome. Uh, 
Instead, we're going to go back and forth a little bit. Uh, and I hope we have some fun with it. I hope there's a lot of laughs. I hope you learn some things about each other. Um, and again, no one is, you're not forced to do anything here, but you are just invited to be at the table with some very special people. Some of them you may know. Some of them you are about to know. Uh, but these are tables of grace. And so here's the first thing. Maybe we'll take five minutes that I would love for you to discuss around your table. And you can just pick one of these. Uh, as a table, you can pick one, or maybe you can just say, I'm going to answer the first one, or I'm going to answer the second one. And here, here are your questions. What happens, in addition to eating, we don't need any dad jokes, right, the bad dad jokes uh, that I like to tell. We know eating often happens at the table, but what else happens when you gather with others at the table? Or you may want to answer this question, as you think about the tables in your life, uh, how have they been meaningful or impacted you or your relationships? Sound good? So take about five minutes, uh, and you can pick one of those to share around your table. You're going to have another opportunity to share, so hopefully, well, let me ask you, what else happens around tables? What were some of the things, those of you to answer that question, what else happens at the table when we're with others? Conversation. Homework. It's important for dads like you to do homework. That's good. Anything else? Yeah. Games. Oh. Well, I know where one of your parents works. That's interesting what those stories may be there at Christ Church. <laughs> Sophie. Eating. Right. Uh, any, one other maybe? Praying. Revelations, right? We learn things. You know, I think if there was one word, at least for me, that um, captures what happens at tables, it would be the word presence. Presence. You know, when we invite God into our life, we got the presence of God in us that is shared at the table, but we very much are present and attentive when we're at the table with others. We are together. And in fact, when Christ's presence is among us, it begins to reorder our life. It shapes our life. It, it begins to characterize our life. It orders things, as we would say, around the kingdom of God. God's intentions for the world starts happening at the tables through us and then far beyond. I love the passage in John 15. It's one of my favorites. It's on page 1160 in the little brown Bibles, if on, some of those are on the table but Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. The vine is like the trunk. It's in the center. You are the branches, he is saying. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, meaning one that follows me, one that has centered their life on me. He goes on to say, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, I will, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I love that passage. Jesus at the center brings fruit 
It brings joy. It brings completion even to life. In our children's ministry and student ministry, they talk a lot about what it means for Jesus to be the center of their life. And so let me just ask them, does, the, do any of you have any idea? Like, what does it mean for Jesus to be at the center of your life? Yeah. Okay, he keeps you from doing things you shouldn't do. Sophie? Yeah, so wherever you go, Jesus is there. He's in it with you, right? Awesome. Any other children? Anything that, what it means for Jesus to be the center of your life? Any adults? One more. He controls what happens to you, right? Good job. Good job. Um, you know, you notice the Bibles and the crosses that are on your table. Those are, in some ways, little reminders. This could be your table at home, just a little gesture, a little reminder that, you know what, we want Christ to be the center of our lives. And when we gather around tables together, Christ could be at the center of our table as well. And where Christ is the center, things change. Things are impacted. The grace of God flows at tables where Christ is at the center. <clears throat> uh, our church's desire, as I mentioned earlier, is that um, we would build a community that just has the desire, that has the intentions to learn and to grow with Christ at the center of our life. That's why we created that vision document, discipleship vision document, and I'd love to just read a couple paragraphs out of it, if I could. It says, what does it mean to be a disciple? And we read this, at Christ Church, Christ Church is delighted to have you come and enjoy a broad variety of ministries we offer to help people grow into their God-given potential. Our fondest hope, however, is that being here, that we would help you and your loved ones become progressively stronger disciples of Jesus. Then I love this. It says, the dictionary defines disciple as someone who seeks to learn from or become like a teacher. Christian disciples are those who seek to learn from and become like Jesus. In fact, the word Christian literally means little Christs or little Jesuses. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, the church exists for nothing else but to draw people into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, then all the cathedrals, clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself are simply a waste of time. God became a man for no other purpose. It is even doubtful whether the whole universe was created for any other purpose other than to help people find Jesus at the center of their life. Becoming like Jesus is a lifelong journey that requires both intention, we have to really want it, and investment. We have to then take those steps to live accordingly. And while Jesus welcomes anyone to come and see it's from John chapter 1. What he is all about, his ultimate desire is to gain followers, not just fans, especially Chicago fans. <laughs> Disciples are people who intend to become like him and then invest in the means of grace by which Christ forms his character in people. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And so in this community, we just value helping each other do that. We value sharing stories of 
how God is doing that. And so we've got, this could be the most fun of all of the little table engagements. And we do this occasionally in our new members class, but you're going to get to do it now. There's little note cards on your table. You also have pens and markers and other things at your table. Here's what I want you to do. You can either draw an emoji, which is a picture for those of you, you know, draw a picture or an emoji, or you can write two or three words that characterize your faith journey in this season of life. Okay? Draw a picture, write a couple words, um, and then you can just kind of round your table, say, I drew this, or I drew this emoji because, and you can just share it. And then you go around to the next person, or maybe, you know, the couple words, you say, here are the two words that kind of describe my life, and here's why I think that is. And then you just go around the table, and again, let's take five to seven minutes to do this, and uh, have some fun, but also listen, because this is kind of some cool stuff. All right, go. I feel like we should get Pete a chip tip jar, don't you think? <laughs> start throwing out some requests or something, Pete. Thank you, man. <laughs> I don't want to rush past perhaps to what happened around what's really a simple, fun little exercise, a couple words or a picture. But some of you, maybe for the first time or with others you don't know, shared perhaps some very real spiritual realities in your life. And it was that easy. God's grace is flowing at the tables. And when Christ is the center, any table that we gather around become a table, can become a table of grace. But oftentimes, I think we rush past it. Think about all the tables in your day, from when you wake up to when you go to bed at night, how many tables you are at, not just with meals, but at desks and at coffee shops and wherever else, restaurant, wherever you may be, but all the tables. And think about how often we rush maybe past them or through them and don't even get the presence with each other. Like part of, I love a couple of these tables, they said one more minute because they were really present with some of the things that they were sharing. Uh, a guy named Eric Schlosser wrote a book called Fast Food Nation and he cited some research, which I thought this was amazing. Just think about this. He goes, Americans spend more money on fast food than on higher education, computers, phones, cars, movies, books, music, or giving to charities or church ministries. In any given day, one out of four Americans visit a fast food establishment. I love this. An estimate one-third of Americans have or will work at McDonald's. How many of you have worked at McDonald's? I did, right? So, yeah, we've got several around here. Uh, how many are going to be? No, I just... We... <laughs> what we eat has changed more in the last 30 or 40 years than it did for 4,000 years of human history. Randy Frazee is a, an author, he's a pastor, he's a friend. Uh, he wrote this in one of his books, and I just love it. <clears throat> he says, the table is the centerpiece and heart of community. It is an ancient belief, a tradition that has stood the test of time. The great invitation is to come to the table and share a meal and conversation with a circle of people, when we wake up each day to face this wonderful work that is before us, whether it takes place at a school, an office, factory, farm, or home, or wherever it may be, 
we do so with the longing, the genuine passion to gather at the table at the end of the day, to share a meal that sustains us and to listen to one another, another page in each other's novels, this masterpiece of God's story that he's writing in our lives graciously with one another. When this event takes place, our souls send a signal to our mind that this is right. Something in us tells us that this, the table, is a major demonstration of the connection requirement we are all designed for. It is no mistake that Jesus chose a meal as a place where community remembers his saving work on the cross. This past week, we we have a group where we're forming kind of an outreach group, a team that's just passionate about thinking, how do we expand our reach and just impact and love and bless the communities around us? And one of the ideas that came up is that we should leverage our tables more. You know, that maybe you pair up, you know, two or three families or households or something, say, you know, let's just have a simple meal, pizza, salad, something like that, and let's just invite one of our friends in the neighborhood. And I think it's a genius idea because it's about relationships. It's about presence. When we share a meal with people and invite God to be a part of it, even just by blessing the meal, his grace flows. And I would guess those that will be sitting in these empty chairs in the days, months, year to come are going to be there because of a relationship, because they sat at a table with you and say, wow, you know, we just kind of, we talked about this at church. You know, we, we had this cool service and, you know, or maybe you're just putting a little cross on the table and someone at your table say like, oh, that's kind of a cool little, you know, carving of a cross. Where'd you get this? They're like, actually, our, our church gave it to us. We love tables. We think, you know, God is just present with us at the tables. In fact, you should come. You should check it out. See what's going on. Uh, you, you may love meeting some of our friends. In fact, you've met some of them there. Did you know we all go to church together? Oh, no, that's pretty cool. Uh, it can flow just like that. And so, I mean, my hope in the months to come is that our tables would be tables of grace with one another and our families, with our friends that we gather, but then we would expand the circle to occasionally invite some others to join us around the table. Right? And maybe just throw out a simple question or two. And so this is the last kind of table time. I, would, I want you to just brainstorm. Think of what are a couple easy questions that could not just say, how was your day? But like the, could, could crack open the, the door for God's grace to enter in. Maybe it is a question that simple, how was your day? Uh, but think about an, a couple of easy questions that you could just throw out at a dinner gathering. And then maybe think of one or two questions that maybe... Get underneath the surface a little bit. That's not going to like weird anybody out, right? But just helps, you know, just thought-provoking questions, kind of like that emoji or the words that you just wrote or something like that. So just take two or three minutes. This one doesn't have to be long, but just throw out a couple ideas, some starter questions or even a little deeper question that you could just throw out uh, to any of your friends or family gathered at your table. Go. Okay. Thank you for just how you have engaged one another this morning, like you were living out the very sermon, creating a table of grace with one another. So thank you for doing that. I hope you had some fun and even learned some things and maybe even were connected and present with each other in a way that you never would have been. You know, when Christ is at the center, 
when he goes with us, every single table that we gather around has the potential to be a table of God's grace, both to you and to others. And as Randy Frazee in that quote said, it's no coincidence then that Jesus chose a table um, to be the centerpiece for his relationship with us and how we relate to one another. And on World Communion, we've got hundreds of millions of people, the church together, sharing in communion, in the Lord's supper at the table that he has prepared. And this is a table that that you're just not invited to, but the table today is going to come to you. Let me explain. We believe wholeheartedly in uh, just the whole church, which is why we have our kids together, being a part and seeing um, and experiencing communion together. And we really do empower parents that for anyone, both kids but adults, who have that desire and the intention for Christ to be Lord, to follow him, to understand what that means is welcome to participate at this table. And we allow, we give parents the freedom to decide when that is, even for their children. And so what we are going to do in just a moment, I'm going to bless the bread and the cup, but we're going to do this in stages. It's going to come to you and you're going to receive it and you are going to serve one another around the table, just pass it along, kind of in family style as I lead you through this. But could I have our uh, servers come forward and just join me up here at the table? And I would love to just pray for us as we prepare our hearts and our minds to be present with God at his table. Please join me in prayer. Holy God, we stand in awe of your love, your grace, of your mercy, of the table that you have prepared and invited us into, like that great banquet that Melanie shared, that God, your desires, that people would gather around your table to be present with you and one another. So God, we pray as we receive this bread, as we receive this cup, that for us it would be your body, your blood that calls us back into that relationship with you. Your grace will flow from this table into our lives. And as we serve one another, God, may we catch the significance of what it means to love one another and serve one another and even submit to one another uh, around our tables. And may your grace flow. And so, God, we give thanks for this community. We give thanks for the adults and the children and everyone in between that is your church today. God, grow our hearts to just follow you more and more every day you give us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen.